Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is an Apostrophe podcast production. Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. U.S. Patent 460-896-7A was granted to an inventor named Ralph R. Pirro in 1986. It is a self-congratulatory apparatus in which an artificial human hand is carried on a pivoting arm suspended from a block you set on your shoulder. The invention uses the mechanical hand to give the operator of the device an important pat on the back. It does this by using gravity and a spring-based mechanism to operate the fake hand to make real contact on your back. The inventor said the device can be used for amusement or entertainment, and it can be deployed either alone or in the presence of others. The device can be easily disassembled and is portable. The mechanical hand pats are intended for anyone who needs a psychological lift or to get a laugh. In this regard, the invention, as it says in the patent application, is particularly suitable as a humorous gift to an employee or family member or as a party favor. On the other hand, mechanically adjustable, of course, 
the device may also be utilized to impart significant psychological benefits to the user. Self-administered positive reinforcement activities are techniques which can be successfully employed to extol the virtues of our own actions and thoughts, the patent said. Successful individuals, it was noted in the patent application, often engage with conversations with themselves, while those with low self-esteem might be more prone to have self-defeatist conversations. The device is a physical manifestation of having a positive mental attitude, or PMA, according to the patent, and it can be used to improve success for any arena of personal human involvement, such as sales, supervision, teaching, and leadership. Usually, someone who needs encouragement tells friends or work associates about this need so they can receive physical congratulations. And the pat-on-the-back apparatus, as it was called, helps people who are on their own or alone. The device replaces the need to raise your arm and hand high into the air overhead, bend the arm at the elbow, and pat yourself on the back. Because these methods rely on others, which may be psychological hostile, or on a rather contorted physical position, it is desirable to have available a more favorable means for providing a pat on the back, the patent says. There were other mechanical devices on the market that might be used for someone who wanted to have contact with a hard-to-reach area, like a back scratcher. There were also devices that impart a negative behavioral attitude that was intended to reduce self-esteem. One such device was a boot which was mechanically designed to kick the user in the buttocks. Instead of a pat on the back, it was intended to give the person a kick in the butt. The pat on the back apparatus was described as a self-congratulatory device. And in 2005, the patent for the pat on the back apparatus expired a lonely end to an invention that was conceived to help us give a boost when we're alone. Through the centuries, inventors have found new ways to innovate and design physical devices that are meant to enhance our lives. But sometimes these inventions, in moving us forward and adding new layers to the way we live, actually end up making us feel more alone. These are our picks for some of the loneliest inventions of all time. I always thought it was Galileo who invented the telescope, one of humankind's most life-changing inventions. It is also one of the loneliest devices ever invented. Galileo made his first telescope in 1609, but a year before that, a Dutch spectacle maker named Hans Lipperhey announced his lens-based instrument for seeing had the ability to make distant objects appear much closer. Galileo's, when his version came out, was much more powerful than any that had been out there at that time. The telescopes in Galileo's time could magnify objects three times their distance. With his tinkering, he expanded their possibilities to eight times, then up to 20 times magnification. And because Galileo could have more magnification, 
he was able to attain sights that hadn't been seen before with the naked eye, the sky above. Galileo's telescope was able to see not only the moon, but the discovery of the four satellites of Jupiter. The telescope confirmed the existence of Venus and how it went through phases that were similar to the moon, with its half-moon, quarter-moon, and full-moon. The telescope Galileo used let him observe a supernova, and through the lens he discovered sunspots. His biggest discovery was also the one that changed how we see our place in the universe. What Galileo saw by himself through a lens aimed upward was proof of something unheard of. We weren't the center of everything else. The geocentric idea was undisputed until that time. But Galileo's telescope showed him alone something else. The sun did not revolve around the Earth. We were just one of other planets that revolve around the sun. It was a new perspective and a lonely one. Perspectives can widen what we know and shine light on objects that hadn't been seen before, like Galileo's telescope. But today, there are inventions to block out light and block out distractions. Have you ever heard of the ostrich pillow? Ostriches aren't normally known as a bird that inspires innovation because of what they are known for, sticking its head in the ground. The ostrich pillow is the opposite of the telescope, and just as lonely. The pillow is an immersive experience, as its founders call it. Imagine a foam cocoon you put over your head, not as a pillow behind your neck, but as a pillow you use like an oven mitt over your entire head. It's built as a space of your own, anytime, anywhere, and allows the user to take a break from the world and focus on what really matters. You. The ostrich pillow was initially conceived by the Spanish design firm Studio Banana, which specialized in applied workspace design thinking. The motivation for the ostrich pillow was this. Coffee, sugar, and energy drinks have become widely accepted as a quick fix for tired, unmotivated employees. And the pressures of the modern working world left little room for a good night's sleep, which led to high stress and low productivity. The inventors arrived at a simple universal truth, which led to the ostrich pillow. The world needs more sleep, and the best way to do that was to have the nap experience anytime the need arises, or rather, asleep. Once the prototype was finalized, the studio published photos on its website. In just a few hours, more than 250 emails came in from people all around the world wanting to purchase the ostrich pillow. Its designated audience was outspoken and quirky personalities who wanted personal dreaming spaces, alone time, even if they were in an office or a plane. Sales for the ostrich pillow dipped when the pandemic hit. With fewer travelers on planes, the makers pivoted. They began marketing the ostrich pillow for use at home to block out noisy roommates or other people in the house with its foamy encasing for your head. 
even among others and surrounded, there was a way to be alone in a cocoon where you can drift calmly into a world of your own. Less light, less noise, just you. A pillow that gives you the ability to be an ostrich anytime you want. The surest way you know a television character is alone and lonely is a scene that goes like this. They come home from the end of their day, where they usually work in a cubicle with other faceless drones in an office. There's a scene of them feeding their cat, and then waiting for the ping of the microwave, indicating their own dinner is ready. TV dinners have been attributed to at least three different sources, which is exactly the partitioning of the different sections in the early frozen meals. According to the Library of Congress, the earliest iteration of the frozen meal was from Maxon Food Systems Incorporated. They manufactured complete meals. They first appeared in the 1940s and were called stratoplates in three-part equations of meat, vegetable, and potato on a plastic plate for passengers on military and civilian airplanes. There's some dispute as to whether that qualifies because stratoplates were never sold to retail customers. Frozen meals really took off when Swanson's first developed them in the early 1950s. The corporate brand was already established and sold chicken and turkey pies on aluminum trays. Jerry Thomas, a salesman for Swanson, is often credited with bringing dinners in a tray to the mass market when he pitched the idea to his bosses after Thanksgiving of 1953. That's when the company had been left with 520,000 pounds of turkey leftovers due to a blunder in ordering and shipping. They had to find a way to keep all that turkey from going to waste. The first official TV dinner came out after Swanson's bacteriologist, Betty Cronin, and her team worked out the logistics, how to get all the cooking time just right. The turkey and gravy, mashed potatoes and peas had to be all cooked right at the same time, synchronously, plus the dessert. Writer Stephen King has said he eats his frozen brownie first while he waits for the rest of his Hungry Man meal to heat up in the microwave. Betty Cronin said it was actually the Swanson brothers, Gilbert and Clark, who were the ones who came up with the concept of the TV dinner. TV dinners were designed to fit comfortably atop a customer's lap while watching TV. In the UK, it's called Teas on Knees, or Telly Supper. Jerry Seinfeld says they're a little taste of prison right in your own home and has a routine making fun of the name that's been associated with them, the Hungry Man Dinner. They're also, according to Seinfeld, aimed at the hungry man who is broke, alone, and starving. TV dinners were honest about what they were marketing, eat in front of the TV. took 25 minutes in the oven for the first mass-market TV dinner to make it to your lap, and they sold for 98 cents each. The packaging was in a box that resembled your TV with knobs. 
It was a time when the television was becoming part of everyday life. In 1951, just 9% of Americans had one. But by 1954, more than half of American households had a TV in their home. It also signaled an important shift in dining, eating alone. A 2015 Food Marketing Institute study found that 46% of all adult eating occasions take place alone. Of the meals eaten at home with food from home, almost half, 48%, are eaten alone, with breakfast being the primary culprit, then lunch. This was mostly attributed to eating at your desk at the office. There are social, emotional, and psychological fringe benefits of eating with others. During the pandemic, everyone began cooking more and having more family meals. And that has led to a new study from the Institute, FMI, which rebranded itself in 2020 with the tagline, The Food Industry. As a result of lockdowns, 70% of respondents in a new survey say they have been eating more in-person meals with their family. And 78% of respondents have positive sentiments about family meals. More than one-third say they are eating better, and 40% say the food they eat is more balanced or healthier when they eat with others rather than when they eat alone. The pandemic also changed what Americans say they plan to do when things return to normal. 85% of them say they plan on eating family meals more often, or the same amount they did before the pandemic. And another interesting trend, the generation who said meals at home with families were very or extremely important were millennials, with 67% saying it was a big priority for them. Boomers, who came of age when TV dinners were at their peak, were the bottom of the age bracket barrel for valuing family meals, with only 57% finding them very or extremely important. TV dinners started as convenience and then became symbols of loneliness and eating alone. Eat your brownie and then come back. There will be mushy peas and Playboy centerfolds next. We'll be right back. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hugh Hefner didn't invent the term pinups or paper or nudity. But he is the man behind the Playboy centerfold, another lonely invention which was designed to use aspiration as a device to make the viewer feel, in the end, even lonelier after the initial titillation. In a 1956 memo to Playboy photographers, Hefner laid out his criteria for the centerfolds. She should be in a setting engaged in an activity that could be reading, writing, or mixing a drink. His demands included how he wanted the image to be projected. The centerfold subject should be healthy, intelligent, with an American look. She might be a very efficient secretary or a student at Vassar. What was unspoken but understood was this. The woman who was in the centerfold was the centerpiece, but there was something implied in each of them, the absence of another person. It could be hinted at. There may be a trouser leg barely noticeable or a pipe on a table. The idea was to let the audience of one identify with the unseen hint of a person, someone who was not there in the flesh, amongst all the exposed nudity. It was a way to address loneliness by giving the reader access into the scene. Interactive technology, in a creepy way, moved beyond static pinups and posters. In Japan, a few years ago, researchers created a poster that responds to being kissed. Overhead sensors on the poster can tell the distance between someone approaching. As the subject gets closer, the image on the screen shifts from a neutral face to a kissing face to a blushing face. But back in the Playboy Centerfold's early days, it was the promise of what would happen that kept the male readers so devoted. In May 1966, Hefner received a letter from 2nd Lieutenant John Price, a young airborne officer on duty in Vietnam. Pinups had been popular for soldiers in the Second World War with Rita Hayworth and Betty Grable. 
But by the time the Playboy Playmates came around, the new breed of soldiers were demanding something more. The letter began, This is written from the depths of the hearts of 180 officers and men of Company B, 2nd Battalion, 503rd Infantry, 173rd Airborne Brigade, who were stationed at Benoit in the Republic of Vietnam. We are proud to be here and have found the answer to the question, ask what you can do for your country, and yet we cannot stand alone. Which brings me to the reason for sending you this request, Lieutenant Price wrote. The loneliness here is a terrible thing, and we long to see a real, living, breathing American girl. Lieutenant Price had remembered that Hefner's magazine Playboy had once promised a special Christmas gift offer, an incentive for anyone who purchased a lifetime subscription. The subscriber would get the first copy personally delivered by a playmate. In his letter, Lieutenant Price included a money order with what he called a fervent hope that the policy could be extended to include the American soldiers currently serving in Vietnam. If Hefner deemed that the soldiers weren't important enough to be sent a playmate for, Lieutenant Price had a postscript. Please just forget about us, and we will quietly fade back into the jungle. Hefner worked with the Defense Department to coordinate a visit to Vietnam with one of the centerfolds. In a pictorial that followed, the centerfold, Joe Collins, recounts that in her May 1966 visit, many of the soldiers asked her to help them write letters home or light their cigarettes, which she obliged. Most of the soldiers, Joe Collins later recalled, were lonely for companionship. The soldiers just wanted to talk a while with a girl from their own native land, she said. In a master's thesis for the graduate faculty at Texas Tech University, Amber Petura wrote a fascinating paper looking at how Playboy played a pivotal role for soldiers in Vietnam and for the women who posed for the centerfold. The Playboy Bunny was the embodiment of the turmoil women found themselves experiencing in the 1960s and 70s. But for the soldiers in Vietnam, they were the aspirational readers that might one day become the audience that Hefner intended. Though Playboy geared their magazine towards a richer urban male, many of its readers fell far outside that goal, Batura wrote. The magazine also drew a lot of attention from men too young to have established themselves in such high-paying jobs or successful households. College students, sons, soldiers, men, women, working class, and the rich were all attracted to the magazine. But despite this knowledge, Playboy continued to aim its advertisements and articles to a select and probably small portion of its readers. The magazine did not turn its nose up at its college readers, rural fans, or young soldiers, but instead spoke to them as though it was only a matter of time before they, too, were the sort of man featured, though hidden, in the Playboy centerfold. It was an interesting way to address loneliness by giving assurances to the reader that you may be lonely now, but it won't last. Keep buying this magazine, and one day you won't just be looking at the centerfold, but you'll be the pinstripe leg in the corner, 
or it will be your pipe that's been left still burning on the table while you're handed a drink by the woman in the photo. Its best-selling issue in November of 1972 sold more than 7 million copies, three years before the Vietnam War ended. In 2014, Playboy, after years of being seen as a relic, made headlines again with its announcement that it was eliminating nude photography. The chief content officer of the magazine at the time, Corey Jones, pitched the move from full nudity to PG-13 images to make it more accessible, more intimate. 12-year-old me, he said in a New York Times interview, is disappointed in current me. Playboy ran its last print edition in March 2020. The news was buried during the beginning days of the pandemic. It was the end of its 66-year run. It folded without a centerfold. The last Playboy centerfold appeared in 2016. But it's not the end of pinups or posters or the centerfold, a lonely invention that was intended, as Hefner did, with providing an image and a scenario that was just beyond reach. Those interactive posters invented in Japan a few years ago haven't replaced centerfolds. The lead researcher, Keidai Ogawa, said the idea came to him because he was frustrated at the one-dimensional nature of his pop idol and celebrity posters. And the ostrich pillow hasn't replaced regular pillows. But the invention that was intended to give people even more alone time now isn't alone in its ostrich-like design. The company also sells now a hoodie without the actual sweatshirt, just the hoodie, so you can cover your head to stay focused and discourage conversations. But who needs conversations with others when you can congratulate yourself for any achievement you want with a pat-on-the-back apparatus? You deserve a pat on the back for eating your vegetables before the dessert in your TV dinner. They fell out of favor for a while, but then frozen meals went through a revival during the pandemic. Initially, consumers bought the frozen food out of necessity in the early days of the pandemic due to fresh food shortages. Frozen food was called by a frozen food CEO as a pandemic powerhouse. U.S. frozen food sale dollars rose 21% from a year ago to $65.1 billion in 2021, while unit sales shot up 13.3%. More eating alone at home boosted sales. Galileo's telescope, made more powerful by his tinkering, provided him with a new perspective, and it was a lonely one. It was a perspective that came with a heavy price. Galileo was accused of heresy and condemned by the Holy Office of the Inquisition. His punishment? House arrest. The world above him in the open skies that Galileo saw as the first observer through a telescope became just memories. Blindness overcame him later on in life, which, by the way, had nothing to do with using a telescope and looking through it. Galileo once wrote in a letter, 
The universe, which I, with my astonishing observations and clear demonstrations, had enlarged a hundred, nay, a thousandfold, beyond the limits commonly seen by wise men of all centuries past, is now for me so diminished and reduced, it has shrunk to the meager confines of my body. Despite being confined to house arrest and imprisoned by his own body, diminishing into age and blindness, Galileo was thankful, he wrote in another letter, that he had been the first observer of such marvelous things that were only visible to him and him alone, until he shared it with others. We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Sound engineer is Jeff Devine. The theme music by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. Our producers are Allison Pinches and Guillermo Serrano. I'm Peg Fong, the host and writer. Please subscribe and give us a review. We'd be grateful. You can find us at Apostrophe Pod. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. 